0: Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we play Lego, and Daddy has the other dice, say, on am going to play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. And today we're meeting, chatting with my new friend, Dustin Heiner. He's in real estate. And this is another one of those cold emails that I got into my inbox and I, uh, I thought, man, this would be a really good episode for my audience. and They're going to eat this up, especially anybody that's interested in going down that real estate path. I was looking him up today just to like, prepare for the interview, so kind of find out who this guy is. And we got like nine mutual friends in common on Facebook, and uh, he's a, a fellow believer. So we had an awesome conversation. So because it's, we talked a lot about real estate, I asked my friend, and uh, who's no stranger to this podcast, Stephen Hibbert, to be on this episode with me to ask any real estate related questions that he wanted to ask but man we had an awesome interview with Dustin. we talked all things real estate he has an awesome story he got fired from his job he was working for a, a county as a um it guy um in california lost his job and then um shortly after was able to actually quit his next job that he had because of making passive income on his rental properties. Now he teaches people how to do the same thing. He has not had a job. He calls himself successfully unemployed. I love that. Successfully unemployed because of the passive income he gets from his real estate income. And then now also he teaches people how to do that. So it's a whole whole other stream of income. And he mentions he has a river of income. I love that. That's probably similar to like my tree where I talk about you have your main content and then these branches that branch off um, that are uh, along that same line. But um, rivers of income. Also, if you want to learn more about real estate and check out Dustin's program, he's giving away a free course. You just text rental to 33777 text RENTAL to 33777, or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. That's masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Here's our interview with Dustin. Dustin, welcome to Streams of Income, and So
1: such an honor to have you. Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I love I love podcasting. It's so much fun being around other podcasters, but I also really love investing. So investing in real estate is what it affords me to, I like the term successfully unemployed, you know, yeah. not working a job, but being able to provide for myself and my family. But then you know, I should go to the gym and hang up with my family, come on podcasts and talk to great people like you. So thank you so much for having me on the show, Right? You're
0: Ryan. so welcome because the opposite is could be unsuccessfully unemployed, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't uh-uh, want
1: that. The- <laughs> no, you don't want that. <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like I um I saw that you quit your job um early in life, and um I'm the I didn't I mean I quit my it would I would have been like thirty three or so, but it wasn't because I wanted to. I was in, in a political campaign. I was a campaign manager of a political campaign. We lost the race. Um, but honestly, that no, it's you know think of looking back, and you're a believer. You understand this. Um, you know that was uh, something that then got me to the place to where I didn't have a job anyway so now I could actually pursue some of these things that were on my heart. So but this is about you. Um it's an honor to, I as soon as we I early before uh, having you on I looked at your Facebook profile and we we have a lot of friends in common so that's always fun. I feel like we're instant friends. But I don't know your story completely other than what I read on your about me page. So tell us about who you are and how you got to where you are.
1: Yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm an investor. I, I'm a real estate investor and I love buying rental properties, long-term buy and hold properties. And so I'll, I'll go to the very end and I'll quickly go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So when I was 37 years old, I was blessed to be able to quit my job. I had enough rental properties that made me money in passive income every single month. So I didn't have to work. So that's where I'm at now is I literally don't have to work a job, which is great, but I'll quickly go back to the beginning. So. When I was younger, I've always been entrepreneurial in my life, like you know, starting businesses and that type of thing, but I've always also been taught, just like every single person is taught, we go to school, we get good grades, then we take those good grades, and we go to college and get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt, and get more good grades to get a degree, and then take that degree and try to get a job at different companies, and then work there 40 plus years of your life, and then and retire. Pension exactly yeah. you try to retire on what you hopefully managed to save and so I was going that exact same route because that's the only thing I ever knew that's what my and dad so did at the same But we're all taught that. Mm -hmm. So with that, I started um, a couple businesses at the same time, though. Like when I was young, I was 13 years old, and I'm old enough to have had a newspaper route. Most people nowadays don't really know what what newspapers are, but I was riding bikes with newspapers (laughs) in my bags, and I'd throw them at 5 a.m., bang them on garage doors, waking people up. Uh, I had a graphic and website design company, skateboard manufacturing business. I even had a convenience store and a pizzeria. Started literally all these from scratch. Because I wanted to, you know, own businesses, but wow. I'm still working at nine to five, dead end I call it a J-O-B, a just overbroke job. But here, here's a, what really shoved me and catapulted me into real estate investing. So I had some businesses, they weren't making too much money, uh, but I was still working that job, a regular really nine to five, I got the most stable, secure job you could ever think of. It was working in California, a local county government doing IT, like that's yeah. nothing like California's is not going away, government's definitely not going away and technology's <laughs> not going away. Yeah. So I got the most stable job ever. With that, my wife and I started having kids and life started really taking off. And we had a business, a couple businesses, but at the same time, I bought one rental property. And that one rental property is making me, I think it was like $315 every single month in passive income. I thought, my goodness, I need to become an investor. I need to just go all in with that. But you know what happens, life gets in the way. So my wife and I started having kids. So this is what really shoved us into real estate investing. So- We started having kids and eventually we got to have our fourth child and I went on paternity leave after my wife gave birth paternity leave where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and bonds with the baby and all that good stuff. And so I come back to work in, in that same week that I get back to work on a Friday At 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the top dog, and she says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I said, sure. And I hung up the phone, and I paused for a second. I thought... Why in the world are they calling me the office? Like this isn't normal. And I've seen plenty of movies. Friday at three thirty. I literally this was going through my brain. I've seen plenty of movies. Friday at three thirty is not a good call. And I paused for a second. I thought a about that extended weekend. Before, yeah, a couple months before I went up attorney leave, I heard that there could potentially be some layoffs. So there's some rumors going on that there was like funds were really being hard in our department. I shook it off. I said, I have so much seniority. I've been working there so many years. My boss is thinking I do a great job job. I got the most stable job. I shook it off. I said, no way. So I get up and I walk down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's kind of short, but every single step I take, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer <laughs> and longer. And it feels like my feet become lead bricks because mm. the, it's dawning on me that I could potentially lose my job. Well, I yeah. get down the hallway and I turn the corner. And I see my boss's door. His door is closed. And I see a secretary there, super sweet, nice old lady. And she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's grinning at me sheepishly and trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. So I go and I take my seat and I sit down and I start thinking about my life. And this whole plan that I've been told, all this thing to get a career and eventually retire from 65, 70 years old. I say, if I get laid off right now, Did I just waste my life on this? Mm. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, we just had our fourth child. If I can't provide for my children, does that make make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a a man trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy, my forehead gets all sweaty because the nerves are just crushing me. Then the door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a coworker of mine. She's noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you could tell her world has been rocked. She Mm. passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? So I get up. And I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So if it happened to me, it can happen to everybody. And this is why I tell a story. So hopefully you learn from this. Now, I take that layoff notice and I walk back to my desk. And I sit down at my desk and I realize two things sitting right there and they're just getting laid off. The first thing. I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed. Praise the Lord to find another job in the same county, another department, the sheriff's department wasn't having the the money issues. Blessed to be able to transfer over there. Didn't even get laid off just a transfer, which was perfect. Blessed. praise the Lord. The second thing, sitting in the chair, and this is the reason why I tell the story. I realized that I needed to make sure that this never ever happened to me again. Mm. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. So right then and there, I made the conscious decision to tell myself, no longer will I ever present myself as being working for a job. We always get this question. What do you do? They're basically asking you for what value do you put on yourself? I would always reply. I work for the county. I do IT work for the county. Well, I'm projecting my value is coming from my job. No, yes. my value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from my God, from myself, and from my family. Yes. So right then and there, I realized mm-hmm. I will now tell every single person that I am an investor. Because I knew I needed to be an investor. Life got in the way, though. So I started telling every single person, I am an investor. And How now, How many properties so happen- did you have at that time? I think I had one or two. Yeah, one or awesome. one or two, but I yeah. made the conscious effort to say, yeah. even though one almost one hundred percent of my money comes from my job, yeah. that's my part-time job. I am yeah. now a full-time investor. Fast forward awesome. the story. You're actually you're calling profit. things that be
0: not as though they were right there. Like you, um, you were you were speaking by faith the things that you wanted for your life, one um, hundred before you even have it had it. So that's awesome.
1: Well, I needed that mindset shift. Like yes. I needed that because I kept letting things get in the way. Mm-hmm. But then. With this mindset shift, I kept buying property after property after property, each one making me $250 or more in passive income. Eventually, I had 30 plus properties. And I was like, man, even though I'm making $75,000 a year here at this job, I'm losing money. So, the last part of the story, Mm -hmm. I went to my new boss, great boss, and all. I said, hey, boss. I'm laying you off. <laughs> Here's your two weeks notice. <laughs> and you're jokingly. And we we laughed. He said, well, Dustin, what are you going to do? He said, I don't have to do anything. I literally own real estate that makes me money without working. So mm-hmm. the last part of the story, if you remember that hallway that I walked down, that short hallway, mm-hmm. that got longer and longer and longer. My feet felt like lead bricks. Well, I walked to and from my work a uh, mile and a half every single day. I did this a thousand times. The yeah. last time, walking home to my car or from my job to my car, last time, I felt like I was walking on clouds because <laughs> I knew I would never, ever need a job again. And the reason why is because I knew my value is so much more than anybody could ever pay me. So everybody, for you listening to this, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. need to realize that you are worth so much more than anybody yes. could ever pay you. And you'll know this easily. So your boss is paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that takes money out of their pocket. If you got yeah. paid for what you're worth, they would go broke. So mm-hmm. fast forward the story. I now have enough properties that I'm now successfully unemployed. Now I have time to spend with my family, go to the gym, create more businesses that hire more people, all these great things. And I'll pause the story because you probably got plenty of questions. No, this
0: is awesome. Keep going. You're good. Is there anything else? Um, <laughs> well, I could ask a bunch of stuff and I'm sure Steven could too. But um, yeah, how I mean, well, how many properties do you have now?
1: Thirty something. Now I'm also getting into hotels and apartment complexes so and cool. and play Monopoly. I just love it. Now it's like because I'm an investor, deals <laughs> come to my storage units, storage you know uh, yeah. uh, uh, complexes yeah. and mobile home parks and all that sort of stuff.
0: That's so cool. So how did you go from um, so you you quit your job and then you um, had all these? Well, well, how many properties did you have when you decided to lay your lay your boss off? I want
1: to say. Yeah, I think I had 22 or 23 total okay. properties. I remember you, each um, without one giving numbers away
0: like were you um the jo- the money you had from your job versus the money you had coming in from real estate at that time were they equal or were percentage-wise about where the, were they
1: Yeah. So, it was more. And here's here's how uh, this is my path to to get it. I asked my wife Hey, honey, how much? What are our expenses? Like, how much do we need to bring in in order to just cover our expenses? And I remember the number as plain as day $4,200. I mm-hmm. thought, okay, $4,200, you know, mortgage and insurance, food, and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, and because what I, my business model was buying one rental property that made me a minimum. Of $250 a month in passive income. Some are making me four, five, six. Now, the properties Mm. I bought back in 2006, they're making me like $800, $900 a month in passive income. So, If, and here's, it was just literally math from there. I thought one property making me $250 a month, that's $3,000 a year. Well, that's good. But what if I got 10 properties? That's $2,500 a month, $30,000 a year without working, 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year in passive income. Mm. And then I just knew I had to scale. So by the time I quit, I want to say I had about 22, 23 properties, maybe somewhere around there. And with that, I had like the minimum was $250. My wife won't let me tell you the exact number, but (laughs) the minimum, I'll just tell you the minimum are $250. Now some are making me, like I said, a lot more than that. But that was the path was realizing a business model and seeing that the trajectory of getting something that somebody would be happy to pay for. And then I make passive income on top of that. Love
0: it. Man, Steven, you want to shoot, a, shoot him with a real estate questions? Because I feel like um, there's a lot of things. And just keep the audience in mind. Somebody who wants to be at that level. What, what, uh, what questions would you have? Yeah,
2: ask? thinking about your audience. They have a business or are dueling like you, having a business and then working. But that first property, that's the questions I'm normally asking a lot of my investor friends. Like, what was that first trigger? And it seems to be like the first property is a interesting story. Then there's a delay and then it's like you kind of dial it in, and then you have your system. and You just bang out your system. What was that first property, and what made you think like, "Oh, real estate is now the thing that I want to get into nice. to get that first property"?
1: That yeah, you, and you. I like the tr- the the um, path that you said. Like, there's a little delay, which I'll get into it. So back in 2006 is when I first started investing. And I didn't, know I didn't know anything about investing. I'm just a regular employee. And I watched one of those late night infomercials like at 2am. They said, Hey, we're coming to your town, a free seminar. You come, we're going to teach you. And I got, okay. And I went to that free seminar and it was all hype, all sales pitch. And they said, now run to, the, to back the back. It's only $80,000. So I went, I ran to the back, all excited. A thousand dollars I spent for this two-day seminar, and the sad thing was, it was all hype for a eighty thousand dollars seminar. Wow. Sixty thousand. It was. It was all just a money making, in my opinion, money making scheme. Now I did. I took what they, the little bit that they taught me, and I said, well, if I if I had eighty thousand dollars, I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and do it myself. You don't so, want to
2: leverage all your credit cards and max out everything <laughs> that you could ever. You're 100 percent right, Steven.
1: They pitched that. That's in exactly that same- what they did. Yes, you know, you've been there, it seems like, because they even tell you well, on day one. I was going those one, things
2: at 13, 14, 15 years old. So I was like, oh, I see oh, what's going on here.
1: <laughs> and they even tell you, hey, on the first day, you call up all your credit cards and you increase their, their, your credit limit, because you're going to need it for your investing. No, no, no. It's incre- increased it so you can buy <laughs> their it's products. F, yeah. It's just, oh, it's horrible. So here's what happened that I took that little bit that they told me and Everything went bad, meaning my property manager started stealing from me within six months. It was horrible. Mm. Let me quickly give you, and I'll give you, like you said, there's a pause, and then that you figure out the business model. I'll give you the wrong way to invest that I did where I actually ended up being uh, having a property manager steal from me. I'll quickly tell you the right way, the business model that I found out. So here's what they said. And this is every quote unquote guru will say this. You find a home anywhere in the country and you run the numbers. You know, basically your expenses are lower than your income or your your rents. And they say, you'll make $50 a month in passive income. Just make sure you make that and you'll get appreciation, which I'll pause and say, I don't invest for appreciation anymore at all. It's cash flow because this is money that I use to feed my family and I won't sell these properties. This is generational wealth. I will literally give these properties to my kids. So mm-hmm. back to the story, but the, the wrong way, and I'll, I'll, you'll quickly forget it as soon as I tell you. So run the numbers, make sure you're making $50 a month in passive income, and you also have appreciation. Then they say, spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, then thousands of dollars to fix up the property. Then you find a tenant, and then you find a property manager. Well, in my opinion, that's just about backwards. I did that, and my property manager started stealing from me within six months. Mm-hmm. The reason why, was because I didn't build the business first. This is what I like to figure out. I figured out, but I also share is we build the business first. Now, that was the wrong way. Let me quickly give the business model that I eventually had to develop to make sure that it ran right. Now, the first time it didn't work right because I didn't build the business. But then I also realized, and I could have sat there and said, Oh, this doesn't work. What was me? And, and move on. But I didn't. I, I said, I'm a business owner, let me approach this from a business mindset. And so what I did was, I realized that in a business model, what I want to do is have a business that owns things, give you a quick example of what that means. So if you're going to start a convenience store, you know, you know, soda machines, candy bars, all the good stuff, well, you're not going to sign a lease on a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in there on the ground without building the business. No, you go out of business in two seconds. What you would do is you'd get the gondolas, those are shelving units, to so the candy bars going, the countertops, the cold storage, fountain machines, cash registers, insurance, bank accounts, employees, everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Same thing with real estate investing. We build the entire business, find the right people working the business. And then once that's built, that's when we buy the property. And that property is our inventory. See, I'm an investor, but what it really comes down to, business I'm a maker. business owner. Correct. Oh. And I buy inventory and put it into my business. That is honestly, in six years, how I was able to scale my business so fast is because I w- had a business model that all I had to do was find another piece of inventory and put it into the business. That's what we do is we build the entire business first, and then we buy the inventory and put it into it. So that was what the delay, when you said it, Stephen, there was a delay from me because I was like, what is going on? They're stealing from me. This is bad. Then I approached it from the business mindset. Now I'll quickly give you an example of what it looks like to have a good property manager. So a good property manager be, well, the wrong way, quickly give me the wrong way. Let's say you did everything the guru said, you buy a house, you get everything, and you start calling up property managers. Hey, property manager, would you manage my property in you know, number one happy street? The, sadly, this happens a lot. No, I would never manage that property. I'll get shot there if I go there, <laughs> which you now don't have an asset. You have a liability. Imagine Aww. if... Before you bought the property, you called the property manager because you've already did all the homework. You have your business belt. You say, "Property manager, I'm looking at buying this property on Number One Happy Street." They say, "No, no, no, don't buy that property. I'll get shot there. I'm not going to manage it." How much better is it after you already you haven't bought the property yet? After that, you're like walking past and saying, "I'm glad I didn't buy that property," as opposed to already buying the property and then having all this money sunk into it. So that's what we do is we hire experts on the ground who, before we do anything from Mm -hmm. financing to insurance to uh, uh, inspections to property managers, we make sure that they help us to run the business right. Does that all make sense?
0: It does. Are these properties local to you or all over the country?
1: No, no. So when I first started, I was in California. I now live in Arizona. I moved out of California. I'm glad to have done that, but it was in California, 2006 prices were skyrocketing. I could not make passive income from the amount of the home. So I started investing in Ohio of all places, r- much right. lower price of homes. Rents were higher. I was able to make that. So now it's Ohio, Texas and Arizona and okay. all my students, we literally invest all over the country. We found the Midwest is really terrific right now. Yeah. Even right now, you know, this is the end of 2022. Um, I'm getting to 2023. Even right now, my students are buying properties all over the place because we're investors, but we make sure yeah. we're making a minimum of $200 a month, two, sorry, $250 a month in passive income.
0: Okay. So what does that, like, Steven? I know you probably got a ton of questions, Um, and I want to make sure you can talk, you ask him any <laughs> of the deep, deeper stuff. But thinking through from a, a newbie perspective, um, Dustin, I did real estate back. I'm from Indiana, and I had some rental property near... Um, a college because I lived right in a college town. And we right in, then when I moved to Texas, it was, it became harder. It was me and my buddy and my brother. And essentially it just didn't work out. Um, But I still have a desire to get back into real estate. So, but, so thinking, thinking through what does it look like logistically? I live in Texas, let's say I have a property in Indiana. How do you, do I have to fly to Indiana to look for, look at these properties or do you already have a I imagine if I join your program, which sounds appealing, by the way, um, (laughs) I you probably have a team of of, of, you probably have somebody on the ground there that's like looking for these opportunities. And if I'm a student of yours, deals come across my potential desk. Is that right? Or what does that look like to invest in a property that's a thousand miles away?
1: Got it. Yeah. So I personally, and all my students, we love investing far away from us because we get better markets. We might Mm -hmm. not live in the best markets. So we like investing in other areas where we can make the passive income. That's number one. Uh, With that, we invest all over the country. And what's funny is the 30 plus properties that I've owned, I've literally only seen one of them before (laughs) I bought it. And so I don't, on the same time, I don't even fly to the areas in new areas, that I'm gonna start investing. I don't even fly there. Like I probably won't even visit that state. Maybe I will, but I won't most likely. Um, I'll probably never go back to Ohio. I went there the first time because yeah. I had no clue what I was doing. I yeah. said, I have to fly there. So I flew, took a red eye, stayed there for two days. It, it was a whirlwind. And then I, after doing that, I did it one more time into Illinois and then it, it didn't work out. I couldn't find a right property manager. And I realized, man, technology is so great. All I do is find the right people. Like, even if I lived in Ohio or lived in whatever specific city, all I would do is is calling people. I'm relying on them as experts. Now, Mm -hmm. Zillow is not an expert, Redfin's not an expert, truly. Like, these are not experts. Who are the experts? They are the people that literally live there on the ground. Like, you're a good property manager. Let's say you're looking at this property. Let's say number one, Happy Street is actually a good property. You call the property manager. Hey, I'm looking at buying this property. Tell me how much could I rent it for? What's my vacancy factor? How often would it be vacant? Um, What type of clientele would I have? And will you manage a property? A good property manager will know the area. And let's say it's a good property. Say, well, hey, that's a great property. In fact, I know there's a house two blocks away that we're currently managing. We were, it's the same type of house. We were trying to get 1400 for it. Zillow said 1400, but we couldn't, we can only get $1,300 for it. That is expert information because if you go and try to run your numbers off of 1400 and you're hoping to get 250, well, that's gonna cut out a hundred dollars out. So what it looks like is what we do is we find the right people and it's interviewing. Like if you're gonna start a business, oh, oh, actually go back to that convenience store again. If you're gonna start that convenience store, You're not going to do everything, build the entire business, and then see somebody walking down the street and say, hey, you got a pulse. Come in here. I want you to be my manager. I want you to manage my money, manage my inventory, manage my customers, manage my business, manage everything. No, you wouldn't do that. You would interview very, very well. And so what we do, what I do, what teach all my students is we interview multiple property managers. I give them a laundry list of questions, 22 mm-hmm. questions and answers that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And we interview them multiple times. Now, here's a, here's a tip for you. Texting is not an interview. Email is not interview. Phone calls are interviews. I'll be honest. Property managers probably won't jump on Zoom. They're too busy. But phone calls. They'll take phone calls all the day. So that's what we want. we want to find the right people. Now for my students, what we do is I get. What I love to do is I love to teach them how to fish now if i were to just say here's a city here's a property here's a property manager buy it and do it they haven't learned anything what i want is my students to come learn teach i teach them how to fish they learn how to do it and then they leave and they're on their own and they're fishing on their own which yeah. lots of my students do so that's what i love to do is give them principles give and here's also one quick thing i've taught so many hundreds of students almost even thousands of, i yeah i think it's actually thousands of students that's now awesome. that it's so amazing seeing them change their lives. But what's great too is now building a community of other investors. So yeah. my students, they're giving me the cities that they're investing in, the property managers, their mortgage brokers. It's like, they're giving me all the businesses that they built. And I have a list. Hey, new student, look at what the students have done in the past. Yeah. Now you have to do your own due diligence. Wow. You have to make sure it works for you, but they've yeah. done a lot of the legwork.
0: Yeah. Do you have any opportunity? So like, just thinking from my, my perspective, I don't honestly see myself like if i was going to join your program i don't see me personally like doing all that having the time and energy to do that legwork would you ever have do you have a done for you type option where maybe a student finds the property for somebody like me and i just i kind of connect the lender and i that student just gets some kind of a finder's fee or something um for finding those properties for
1: me That's that's a brilliant and fantastic question. So initially, when I first started this, I didn't want to do any of that stuff because I was like, you know what, I just want to help people. I just want to teach them. But now, after doing this for so long, I have so many contacts, as well as so many people that they're literally asking me, Dustin, just uh, we we want the done for you type of program. So I'm glad you asked. I'm literally creating that right now. That's awesome. What I want my here's my end goal is having five strong cities. Now, it's not like, like, here's your property, do this. There's turnkey companies. If you want to use them, turnkey companies will work just fine. I'm not a big fan of turnkey companies. But what my goal is, this is my vision for the done for you. Have five different cities that everybody, all anybody who comes in, they can we can look through every single city having the right property managers. They're all the right realtors to um, wholesalers to investors that they can work with. Basically yeah. build the entire business for them. Yeah. And have options for them and say, yeah. here's the done for you. Now get inside here and now let's start getting properties. So you already have everything built. Now the done for you part is the business, building the business for you. The property, that's, that's the easy part. In fact, a lot of students, they jump right to, actually, this is what happens. It's funny. A student says, hey, Dustin, I found a new city to invest in. I said, that's great. And the next thing they said, I already have five realtors looking for properties for me. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. The realtors are literally the last step. Inventory is the last step. We have so many things to do before that. So the done for you is building everything up. And here's the great thing. I don't worry. Oh. You guys have probably heard of the book, The 4-Hour Week. Uh-huh. You know, the premise is only work four hours a week. Well, I think working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't want to work four hours a week. I don't want to work four hours a month on that's my properties. Awesome. I maybe work 30 minutes a month because the business that I built now runs itself and properties get sent to me. Like I wake right. up in the morning, drink coffee, look at my email because I have so many people sending me deals and I just buy the ones that I want. So that's the wow. done for you business model. What do you
0: think? Would that be appealing? I would love to be a part of something <laughs> like that. I mean, I I, I would uh, obviously with prayer and think, you're thinking through that, but that sounds like an awesome, because I I am on an email list of one of the turnkey companies. I have a friend that's invested in them, is super happy and loves it. Um, but I've never just, just never jumped in. Um, and I don't know why I just have been focusing on other stuff. Um, and he's well, also oh, in the same oh, situation quick... where he's actually never seen some of the properties just like you, but- I I, love know, it. I, mean, I already know you. I, I, I don't know. I feel like a connection with you. And I'd love to. <laughs> if I was going to do anything, I'd be working with you for sure.
1: Oh, thanks, Ryan. The, the um, quick little side note, I, I think turnkey companies are fine. But there's, there's a couple big things that reason why I just shy away. I don't want to do it myself, but I also encourage people not to. Number one, there's a reason why they're in business is to make money. So you're leaving a lot of money on the table sure. on every single property. I mean, they're, they're making money, which that's it's their business model. Yeah. Um, but another big thing. You're getting their business that they might have built well or they might not have. You don't have any options other than this one person, this, yeah. and maybe they don't even have the right people and even financing, all that sort of stuff. Like you're leaving money on the table and you're getting somebody else's business, which I'm not a big fan of. I like to build my business so that I know it's going to run right.
0: That's awesome. Okay, Stephen, go for it. Well, no, I just, I find it fascinating.
2: We operate very differently, but that's why I like real estate because everybody has their own system and program. It it seems like the way that you're going about it is the same way that we go through it. Like the house is the, almost the least important part. Even like the price of the house to me is nonsensical because the same thing, I'm never selling. I'm going after the cash flow. And Mm. I don't know if rents will go continuously sky high or level or even dip down a little bit, but we're building a lot of just like, risk into the properties that we're looking at now, because I don't know if people get squeezed and then rents will have to come down, especially with the fed raising rates. Is there a concern as you're, I guess the next thing that you're building, is that something that you're looking into and taking that into consideration? Cause I, I th- Think Just hearing Ryan too, there probably is a bunch of just private money that's willing to lend that will be a lot easier than banks. And who knows what's going to happen? I think banks are getting harder to borrow from, but there might be huge opportunities for private money and then doing the same system that you have, that could be a huge opportunity for you.
1: Yeah, totally. Private money is terrific. Now, um, Stephen, when did you start investing?
2: What year? Uh, I don't know the year, but I was 16 when I bought my first uh, property. So
1: before the crash or after the crash of 2008,
2: Yeah, it was like 2007 right in that. Okay. And then we rolled that out.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Same. I started in 2006 as well. So 16 buying your first property. That's, that's, that's impressive. Good job, dude. Um, so with that, what I, so the reason why I ask the question is because seeing through 2008, I have a perspective that a lot of people that started like, let's say 2014, 2015. That's like, what makes me nervous. A lot three,
2: of people now they're like, Oh, it's amazing. It's like,
1: Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Right and they're now? All like Airbnb, sure. I got two properties. They're Airbnb. And I'm like, yes. Did you see back in 2010 where all the hotels were almost going out of business? Like, it, can't, it, it you need to be protected. Anyway, the reason why is I, something
2: that we're constantly going after because we started totally. off with. That- I like
1: Airbnb. Yes, I like Airbnb, but I want to make sure that I'm protected on all sides. So here's what I saw, because a lot of people are asking me a question. Well, Dustin, you know, if there's a big problem in the economy, and people starting getting laid off from work, won't that lower rents? And I'll say, well, I'll be completely honest with you. No, in fact, they might go up. Here's a big reason. Back in 2008, we saw foreclosure signs on lots of homes companies banks were taking back properties well, well that's sadly and it's very sad but it's no longer a homeowner but they have to live somewhere mentor. what is that pool of tenants the pool goes up which means there's more demand but mm-hmm. the supply's still there and I'll be buying more properties so same thing if and I do believe right now we're obviously it seems like we're definitely in a recession but there's going to be a lot more turmoil coming in 2022 2023 like I'm now shorting some stocks and stuff because it's it's now looking uh, pretty rough but With that, rents are, this last year and a half, it's been skyrocketing, which is bit silly. It's just silly. It might dip down just because of regular market, just because it's gone up so high, it might come down. But if there is a market crash like 2008, you're not going to see rents drop 20, 30, 40%. No, not at all. In fact, you'll see it maybe even go up because there's more renters now. Now, with that, Mm. I think you're 100% right. Private money is amazing because as soon as lending dries up which it will because in 2008 it dried up it was so hard to get loans i even used a credit card that's i literally used a credit <laughs> card it's a bad strategy uh cuz i knew i had a property i could buy it's a business model if i bought this property i counted for the expenses for the credit card and bought the property now with that i had to get creative same thing with now with the economy changing you're probably going to have to get much more creative in fact i've used 14 different ways to get financing, credit cards, one signature loan, going to walk in a bank, hey, can I have a loan? Oh, here you go. Here's sign your name, unsecured line of credit, um, commercial loans, bundled loans, portfolio loans, private money, hard money, like there's literally just lots and lots of ways to get financing for the properties. What you need to be doing now is being ready for this amazing time. This is the big if you're taking away for anything, building a business is number one, but number two is in the coming few years, it's going to be an amazing time to invest in real estate. I wish I was in the same place I was back in now as I was back in 2010. 2010, I would have bought so many more properties. I'm so ready. If it does happen again, where it crashes again, It's going to be the best time ever to invest in real estate. And it's kind of like this. I I liken it to this. If you go surfing, you're going to be on a surfboard and you're going to start paddling. Well, you don't paddle after the wave passes you because you're not going to be able to catch it. You're going to paddle before. So you catch that wave because you're ready. And then you ride it all the way in. Same thing with real estate investing. It's going to be the best time ever to invest in real estate prices are going to come down a ton on homes, buying great properties, but you need to know how to do it, learn how to do it right, already be investing now. So you already have the business built and then you'll catch that wave and ride it all the way in.
0: Hmm. Just thinking. Oh, so tell me if like, I was going to just, just thinking a lot here. Um, I know Stephen, you probably got some more questions too, but wondering, um, they're is, gonna go deep <laughs> for people. You're gonna go deep uh, for people that want to get started. Um, obviously, you can go just re- just single family homes, but let's say somebody who is going to um, has maybe access to more money or something. Would you send them straight to something like an apartment, or um, would you still tell somebody to no? You should still do a single family home, but maybe you buy three of them over you know three months or what what? And it may may, may look different for every person how you would
1: advise. Them, sure. But, um, so. Yeah, yeah I f- I've found predominantly the better way to do it is do residential. When I say residential, it's four units and below. Once okay. you get to five, it's different financing, lots of different okay. things go on, go involved okay. with that. So my suggestion is four units and below because anybody can get a conventional loan and four units and below. Like that's, that's literally, you can still get a 30 year fixed. You get fixed loans. That's why I love having fixed expenses. My rents go up, but my expenses are fixed with that. I suggest doing residential to start because anybody can find a realtor and a, uh, a seller and you know a mortgage broker and put them together and buy a house. Okay. You can do that and then just figure out, make sure you build the business to put a tenant in there. It's okay. so much easier than let's say in buying a 20 to 25 or 30 unit apartment complex. Now, if I have students that come to me if they do and they say, I have extra money, I want to invest in apartment complexes, what I would suggest is starting out being a, a, a part of a syndication where you are now being a part of a multifamily, a bigger, like let's say 100, 200 unit apartment complex. And so you can see how it works. You can see behind the curtains because there's so much more to learn. Whereas a single family home or residential four units below, you buy a house after you find them, make sure you have the right property manager and then say, property manager, take care of my my house and they do everything.
0: Yeah. Are you looking, still looking at like 20% down um, for most of these loans?
1: Depending on the area, you can't, 20% 20% is great. Um, meaning, yes, you can do that. I have some mortgage brokers that are in our like network that they're as little as 5% down wow. that you can buy this property for. Um, so it, it, it just, and here's a here's a huge tip that I give all my students or I teach all my students. If you get a roadblock at one or two or three different banks, they're just, that's three banks. Every single bank is different. They have different terms. Wow. They have different investors, all that sort of stuff. Keep calling. In fact, one of my students called 23 banks before she found the right bank that had a minimum of thirty thousand dollars to invest. She found a forty-five thousand dollars house, and she couldn't. It was going to cash flow over like three thousand, sorry, three hundred dollars a month, and she couldn't get the financing for it because the minimum is usually fifty thousand, maybe even seventy-five or a hundred thousand dollars. She called twenty-three banks, and finally, on the twenty-third bank, and I have that's that's one of the companies in my list of um, uh, banks you can use that. Now she bought the property. Now it's making money because it was a lower money amount. Mm. But that's just the thing. Just call as many banks as possible.
0: Yeah, I literally asked Stephen today over Facebook Messenger because um, my wife and I would dreaming about having a place that we Stephen lives in Florida. And we'd love to have a second home in Florida, um, but we probably would continue to live here in Texas. Does. Any, what advice? This is a selfish, que- selfish question, but you're on my podcast. So I can ask it.
1: Well, yeah, you have your I, own podcast. That's why I you can ask this question
0: uh, because there's other people probably think some people thinking the same thing. Um, does any of this change? I know you probably, uh, you know, I would love to have 22 vacation homes, but buying that first one, that's a second home that we, um, that we live in some of the time. And I know that like, I know the 14 day thing, but it would be we'd probably live there more than 14 days out of the year. So, um, any advice on, a rental property like in, in Florida, uh, that, uh, we rent some of the time and we live at some of the time.
1: So how, what's the longest time frame duration at one time? Would you live in that property?
0: Oh gosh. I can, I mean, honestly, just, we, I could
1: see us being there for two or three months at a time. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So here's a couple different different things. The, the first thing, because I have a lot of students say, hey, Dustin, what if I buy a house in Hawaii so I can go there for like one or two weeks out of the year? I'm like, well, let's think of it this way. I personally won't, even though I'm an investor, I won't do that because I buy other properties that then make me money so I can just go do an Airbnb in Hawaii. Like, I don't want that headache. I don't want that, you know, $2 million. Like, I just go to go rent it out. So I'll make more money so I can do that. But if it's going to be where you're going to be there longer term, then I would suggest doing an Airbnb. Like, if you're going to say, I'm going to block out the entire three months of whatever, the summer, the winter, whatever it might be. Like, I have a lot of snowbirds. Like, they live in... the upper States or even in Canada. And then they invest in like Arizona. And so they come down for three months. But what yeah. you would do is you would do either like short, short term Airbnb or even midterm, like, you know, month stays at a time and you just block out the time Got of it. when you're going to stay there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Any advice on the financing on that? Um I know we could that's a longer conversation, but
1: It's a second property. For yeah. my yeah. suggestion for you, it's a second property. It's yeah. better financing than an investment property, not as good as a single family home like your your, your primary residence. But yeah. what you could do is say, "Hey, it, it's, it's it's totally up to you if you want to do this. Like let's say you you're going to move there and you actually do it as a primary residence, but you move there and you're like, well, who knows? We might not do it. Now, we want to be obviously honest, but at the same time, who knows which one's going to be a first primary? You never know. You might live yeah. more there. You might live more in Texas. Right. I don't know. But, either for, uh, primary or or a second home. Got it. Very,
0: very, very helpful.
2: Yeah, and you might, you can do that, but you just have to be careful of if you are going to rent it in that first year, sometimes you can run into problems if you're saying it's a primary
1: mm. Yeah. yeah, totally, right. totally. Right. And it just, honestly, the second loan, or sorry, not second loan, uh, A second home loan versus a primary residence. It's not that great of a difference in interest rates, maybe half a point or maybe even a point or more. Uh, but I mean, really what it comes down to is it's your mortgage broker. They're the only ones that are ever going to check to make sure are you doing this or that you could even be straightforward and honest and, and say who knows, they might even just say, okay, we'll just go ahead and do it as a primary because you might, you might rent it out, you might not, I don't know. So yeah. you just, just be honest, straightforward and honest with them and I have had a lot of mortgage brokers say, okay, yeah, that, that we could use that as a primary as opposed to a, a secondary um, home or something like that. Just be honest with them. Like I said, bankers are all different. They have different terms. They have different yeah. criteria, underwriting, Packages, all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep. The underwriting is really what differs between all those yep. different banks too. Cool. Stephen, do you have a couple more questions for him? I want to be respectful of his time and I also want to make sure we share the links where people can find out how to jump into his programs and buy I guess I'll,
2: I'll ask this. The system that you built... How long did that take, and then you can lead right into showing us where to learn more because I think this is really what you're pitching is your system that you came up with i mean it's everybody's got their own, like I said, but you it seems like yours developed, honed, taught, and then refined over time he's very got interesting success stories
1: <laughs> which is huge, yeah, totally, so I would say it probably took me a good five years to really develop an understanding of how to do it, but honestly, what got it even more refined? is when I started teaching it to my friends and family members and friends from church, because as I was quitting my job, I had people, this is, this is the way I would say, oh yeah, I'm quitting my job. First question is, how are you doing that? And I said, I invest in real estate. I said, the second question always came, well, can you show me? I'm like, well, "I I guess. And so I started <laughs> teaching them one-on-one. And with that, I started having to refine it because I had to, under, I, what I instinctively knew because I either knew business or whatever, I had to really make it, itemized out or like, like I uh, list them listed out so that they could understand it. Yes. That really helped me to refine it. But yes. i let me get into a little bit more. But I, before I do that, do you mind if I give everybody a free real estate investing course, I'll just Absolutely. give it to them for free?
0: Go for it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I it'll literally give you everything else so much more in depth, how to build the business, find the right area of the country and invest how to scale your business, find the right property manager. So if you text the word rental, R E N T A L, rental to 33777 rental to 3377. I'll literally give it to you. That's 33777. Or if you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And so with that, you're literally getting what I did as I developed, okay, this didn't work right. But this did work right. So what didn't I ripped out of my business model. What it did I kept it in? Now, what's even better? Now, it's honestly, it's literally been uh, over a thousand students now that I've coached. Wow. With these students, I've even been able to refine it so much more that it it's it's systematized. It's and here's the fun thing. Like, I'm not that smart. I'm just like your next door neighbor that figured out something that just wants to help you out. In fact, I have friends from church that say, hey, Dustin, can you help me? I'm like, yeah, I'll just help you out. In fact, I literally just give away my book. I said to everybody, well, this is what happened. People would say from the very beginning, this is how I wrote my book. The first thing was people would ask me, um, Well, Dustin, can you teach me? So I would be teaching people one-on-one, but the first questions, they're great questions, but they're beginner questions. So I thought, oh my goodness, I'm doing this over and over and over and over again. So I wrote a book and then I would give it out. Here, read this book. It'll walk you through the process. And then when you're done, then... You'll have better questions, not better, but like they fit you, applicable yes. to you, your financing, your goals, your risk tolerance, everything like that, so that I can then get you to the next step. And that's a brilliant and strategy
0: because so, it also gives them, you, you kind of testing them, are they willing to read the book before bothering me with my time? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go,
1: I didn't want to say that, but yes, yeah, you're 100% definitely. right, right? Yeah. Because I would literally, it, Here's here's a sad thing. I would, I mean, people pay me money to coach them, yeah. Pe- friends and family members, people from church. I would literally coach them. Do you know how many of them after I developed all this stuff, actually follow through with it? Almost zero. Pay, pay attention. It's, 100 yes. percent they don't have they don't have any skin in the game they're like oh that sounds great i've literally coached people spending hours and hours with them but they don't do it i'm like if you just yeah. it's still it. paying i want to
2: help everybody but it's it, until they pay they don't pay attention it's it's so aggravating i have family that i'm just like we talked about this like 20 years ago if you would have just
0: listened to end <laughs> you could have had 50 properties totally agree yeah 100 yeah,
1: percent well, if you're
2: paying wherever you're putting your money your time that's where you're putting your. Attention. Energy, yeah. Uh, You're uh, 100% attention.
1: right. Mm, mm. And that's the one thing that I, t- I try to tell everybody, like uh, from my students to on my podcast or anything like that, but I love this. Uh, I guess like it's maybe it's an old proverb, but it's, when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years, years ago. years ago, yeah. Yes, exactly. The next best time is literally right today. People yeah. might say, well, you know, the market is this, the market's that. Doesn't well, matter. here's the great thing. For me, we, like Stephen, we're in the same boat. We invest for passive income. So whether the market goes up, if the market goes down, or the market goes sideways, the we're making money. In fact, a I, had so, I knew you're 100% right. I had so many people back in 2008 that I knew as well as heard. You heard of so many people going bankrupt, investors going bankrupt because they were investing the wrong way. I was looking around like man, this is not not affecting me. In fact, I'm making more money now. This is the right. So that just, I was blessed because I knew I wanted to quit my job and yeah. have money coming in. That was just happened to be the right way to go. And it was literally, uh, oh, here's another big thing. It's recession proof number one, but inflation proof too. With inflation going up, my rents go up. So I just have the same amount of money now that I and get. How much does your mortgage go up? None. (laughs) (laughs) Taxes are relatively the same. Insurance is relatively the same. Your expenses are relatively fixed. Mm
2: -hmm. That's the big thing that people I don't think grasp is like, even at a slight break even, if you can justify the property and the terms are really good, over time, your rents will continue to go and your terms that are locked in stay that same. So you're making more over time. So even what you were saying, you're making 200 on the first one. Now, over time, you're making a lot more. It's not that the mortgage is down, you're paying less on the mortgage. It's just the rents have continued to go up. I'm sure in the last couple of years, some of those properties that you bought long ago are now really cash flowing because the rents are doubled and tripled. They're
1: doing great. And and Stephen, you reminded me of something that I I love sharing. So When you buy one rental property, you make money six different ways. Mm. When you buy just one rental property, the first one, we talked about it, passive income. Rents minus your expenses, that's your passive income. That difference puts in your pocket. The next way is... Equity capture. When we buy the home, we don't pay market value or more. Homeowners do. We're investors. We're going to pay ten percent, twenty percent. We're going to pay less than the value is. So let's say we're buying it for two hundred thousand dollars, but it's worth two forty. Well, we capture forty thousand dollars in equity. Also, another one: hey, forced appreciation. Exa- oh, that's another one too. We'll get to that in just a second. Forced appreciation. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> mute myself. You, you're an investor, so Thank you know exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> Forced appreciation. You fix up the house. Let's say you spend ten grand into it, but you make it worth twenty thousand because you put money into it. Well, that's more money that you make. You also just re- regular overtime. Market appreciation goes up. Tax benefits. Now, if I'll pause this and say, if anybody has never had the benefit of depreciation on their taxes. Oh my goodness. It is amazing. Especially when you get to 10, 20, 30 properties, you like, what in the world? Like I, th- I thought I was gonna have to pay lots of money in taxes. No, no, no. IRS uses that depreciation and you <laughs> uh-huh. pay, you pay very little, which is it's written for us as investors on top yeah, of that. If you don't sell, there's business,
2: So it's amazing.
1: 100%. And your kids will you get, get the your tax up, benefits. So you complete. <laughs> Stephen, you're sorry, awesome. He you knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. I love talking to other investors. They know the goodness. Now, the last thing that is, and you you mentioned this, Stephen, one of my more, uh, I love passive income. That's what I invest for. But another one is the mortgage buy down. If I buy a house, my tenant, they're the ones that pay for the ins- uh, interest and the principal. They pay every bit of that. And you love this, so I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for repairs. My tenants pay for all of that. It so happens that money comes into me, back out to all them, but they are the ones that are paying for this. So, Stephen, you're 100% right on. Yeah, I guess...
2: uh, this is an example. Me and a friend of mine did a deal with 0% interest and we overpaid for the house because we ran the amortization we knew what the payment schedule was and we could pay it off sooner. But it was a negative cash flowing house for the first like two or three years. But the pay down of the loan was the thing that people did not understand. Like, why would you overpay for this house? It's like, first of all, we're not really overpaying for it because it was a no money out of pocket. Yes, we had to split the difference for the first two to three. It was like almost three years. But that a little amount is what the down payment was spread over those three years. And then the tenant truly paid off the loan. Then we had a free and clear house very quickly because it was straight principal only payments. It's mm. it's just interesting. That's why I love the financial calculator. It's like it, a lot of people don't understand it. But it, I, the price of the house is the least important thing. To me, it's all about the terms. And I will gladly overpay if I can get the terms that I'm looking for for because mm. you're going to pay that down so fast depending on how you're but, setting it up
1: but the monthly you're, yeah is you're 100 right yeah you're, you're right from for me though if i were to keep like let's say i'm only making 50 dollars a month in passive income or let's just start with zero an yeah, making... example to show to drive that totally home and it works is... it works totally um I realize that I need to feed my family. Like if I'm not working a job, I need that $250 a month. And you know, that minimum that the gurus would say $50 a month in passive income. Well, that's not that much. Let's just round it to hundred dollars a month in passive income. Well, that's only $1,200 a year from that one property. Let's say God forbid a furnace goes out and you don't have the cash reserves. Well, there goes all your passive income. Ruthless How are you going to feed your family? AC, yep. Yes. All that stuff. So with 1250 being the minimum, that's three thousand dollars a year that'll go a long way to help feed your family and if there's any problems but all the above Stephen, you're 100 percent right
0: that's so good uh, <laughs> so um dustin our friend you you're closer to him than me but shane sam's at the end of his episodes he always has a bible verse so is there a verse for you that Ooh, uh I like that that uh, has meant a lot to you or anything that uh you feel free to also preach and you can close us out here, but uh, what's a verse that comes to mind um, with building your business or just anything the Lord's speaking to you right now?
1: Wow. Well, yeah. So the, the one that's right coming to my mind right now to my mind is uh, Galatians for I have been crucified with Christ and so no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Mm-hmm. And so by far anything that I do, if I'm going to preach anything, it's Christ and him crucified. Mm -hmm. Because there's no point, in my opinion, to have somebody have a better life to eventually go to hell. That's like the worst thing. I'd -hmm. rather see them have a horrible life and then go to heaven, just like Jesus tells the story of Lazarus. You know, in this life, the Pharisee had good things. I don't know if it's a Pharisee, but the the, the rich man had good things, but now Lazarus in his life had bad things and now he has good things. So, I love how actually i literally read the bible multiple times a day and every single night and you guys will appreciate this so my oldest daughter is now 14 we have four kids and when she was three years old i thought you know what i've been telling people tell me it's good to read to your kids like read stories to the kids it helps them think i thought well what better story than the bible so literally since she's been three years old now we have four kids Every single night, we do family worship where we get down, we, we, we uh, pray, we sing songs, we read the Bible, I teach them and educate them, and then pray, obviously close it out. But we've done this every single night since she was three. Now we have four kids. We've maybe missed six times That's out of the incredible. entire, what, 10, 11 years now. And here's the great thing. They will not let us go to bed unless we do a family worship time. It's a blessing. So yeah, all the above. Like I said, if there's anything I'm going to preach, it's Christ and him crucified. I love that. How long does those worship times last in the evening? It's probably about 20, maybe 25 minutes. Sometimes it can get to 30 if we have a lot of questions and everything.
0: That's so cool. That's neat that you do that. and uh, In your homeschool family, and so I I probably have a lot of questions for you about that as uh, Callan gets older, but... Dustin, thank you so much for being Love on my show. Hey, let me tell you, um as if you ever want to jump back on, you have an update, you come out with a, <laughs> anything new and you want to alert my audience, you just you just let
1: me know and you'll be on. So yeah, Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Steven, I appreciate you guys. Bye-bye, everyone. See
0: you next week.